This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Friday, September 9th, 2022. And I have the excellent Camilla Rinaldi here with me to discuss the iPhones and all the other Apple stuff. Hi, Camilla. How are you? Hi, Miriam. I'm fine. Uh, it's super nice to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me, especially for this uh Epic episode, probably. <laughs> yes. Thanks so much for coming. Uh, I think, you know, it's it's going to be fun. I think the iPhones are very interesting. In some ways, we can make a lot of fun about them. But in some ways, I think there's some solid stuff in here. And, you know, then there's a watch and AirPods and everything. Overall, what's your kind of impression from this announcement? Do you think it's business as usual here? Or do you see something in there that's kind of making you think, hmm. Well, first of all, uh, I was expecting a little bit more, uh, especially when it comes to the excitement of people presenting it. Uh, ah. I know that <laughs> I know that some uh, uh, journalists were invited, so I really expect that we will have some audience during the event. But no, it was uh, recorded as as. Apple is doing this in some years right now. So I really, uh, I felt like uh, it would be a bit more more um, vivid. So in the beginning, I remember I was feeling uh, a, li- a little bit bored, but then uh, things started to, to grow. And um, I really like it what uh, Apple presented, in fact. I really enjoy seeing some new things uh, when it comes to the uh, iPhone 14 Pro, especially. I was a bit surprised. <laughs> like I, I believe like most people, in fact, uh, with a um, dynamic island, I really enjoyed that. I also was a bit surprised with the Watch Ultra, but, um, and, and also like how Apple is, uh, how Apple can disrupt uh, some industries with that right now. But um, I didn't feel like uh, the excitement that I was expecting. Hopefully, um, we will go back to some events where we can at least hear some applause, some uh, nervous laugh as we did in the past. So I I miss that. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, obviously some of my colleagues went to the event and I should ask them because I didn't yet, but it, it feels like there was just a video that they played in the theater and we didn't have the audience feedback, right? Because of that. Yeah. Um, or maybe we did, but it was very muted. I, I feel the same. I think it's, it's on one hand, it's nice because they can polish the presentation, you know, like some of the shots... Sure of the presentation. I don't know if remember there was this big space and then the screen and she was talking in front of the screen. That's actually Moscone Center in San Francisco, the big conference center. It's a huge space and they rented the entire thing, emptied it out, did some dramatic lighting and put the screen and put her there. And you know, you can do some cool stuff like that when you're doing video on your record pre-recording. But I feel like it doesn't have quite the same raw impact of like you remember steve jobs on stage or even Tim on stage right like just kind of like live i don't know i hope they come back to that that's that's kind of like what i miss in 
it's almost too polished, you know. There's yes, no um, opportunity sorry, but, you know, for like, uh, mistakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It's not like a, a real thing happening. It, in fact, I was really surprised because uh, it took uh, one hour and 35 minutes to present like uh, seven, eight, nine uh, products. So it was super fast. Yeah, I mean, that I can't blame them because... I don't know, I get really bored at conferences when they're too long. Like <laughs> Me too. You know, I, I, the one that stands out, you know, and we give them this feedback, so I don't want you to feel like I'm being mean to them. And I say you, I mean the audience, is like honor at MWC, right? <laughs> Were you there for oh, that? God. Yeah. That was long. Yes, that I was painful. And I think they did better this time at IFA. But, I mean, this is the kind of thing where, obviously, we're comparing literally apples to honor to oranges right it's not not the same league but i think they can learn from that right so apple keeping the pace is good i actually felt that it wasn't too rushed in some way some apple events i felt like as a journalist watching and having to take notes and um keeping on top of screenshots and stuff i found that some i can't keep up i'm like whoa right and this one i was like okay i can, I can kind of just enough keep up so i think I was happy with the pace. I thought it was interesting they started with Apple Watch. Oh, yeah? I'm not sure that's been the case. I guess that's always been the case. They do a recap first. But I, I thought they were going to start with maybe the um, the AirPods, get that out of the way, then go to the watch. I kind of build it up. I felt like you had the you had the watch, the Ultra, and then AirPods. Like, you know, like, yeah. who cares? You know, <laughs> you know what AirPods are. You're not going to reinvent. It's not like you're introducing... AirPods Ultra, designed with aluminum to take on <laughs> climbing, rock climbing, you know. Like, that would be really funny if they made a, a pair of, of, like, hardcore outdoors uh, AirPods. <laughs> so, I, I, I would say that I, I, I kind of enjoyed some, some new features of the AirPods, like especially when you can uh, really find them uh, with sound right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. okay, that's, that's, that was uh, something that I was missing. Or even like no. the volume, you know, you have the opportunity, the comeback of uh, setting volume up and down directly in the uh, AirPods. I feel like it's, it's a nice thing, but I, I agree with you. Uh, no, I agree. I mean, you know, it's hard because... Apple adds so much new stuff that yes. even like if if this was Samsung or somebody else, we'd probably be like, oh my God, look at that. They put they put a speaker in the earbuds case to find your earbuds and they put a volume like we would be crazy, but we're like, yeah, okay, Apple, that's fine. Of course you do that. You you be you, Apple. But I, I think yeah. that's also us, right? Like as much as the presenters were kind of jaded, I think we're kind of jaded. <laughs> you know, not just us, the media, I think our audience is kind of like, yeah. oh, another iPhone, roll eyes. But let's dive in the meat of it. I, I kind of want to talk about the Pro because I think it's very exciting. I think there are some things I don't like at all, and but there's a lot to like. But it's also a lot that we've seen before. So what's the feature for you that it really stands out? Um, you know, I, I feel like the Pro... Uh, the whole phone, it's together an amazing device. And I was waiting for it, of course. Uh, 
but it was, as I mentioned before, I was really surprised with the, the way that they thought about to connect the, like, they needed to change the, the notch, right? The notch shape. It was yeah. like since 2017, so already five years. And when we saw the iPhone 14 and plus uh, being released, for me, it was like, okay, the notch there. Let's see. Let's hope for it. Because, you know, rumors out there, we kind of uh, lose a little bit of this expectation. So when it came and I was waiting for the, the peel shape, and everybody was criticizing that a lot already. But then when they combined that with the UI, I mean, that was that was a surprise. I must say that. And of course, we had some uh, new things when it comes to the camera. For the first time, you have a 48 megapixel camera and yeah. the always on uh, display. But anyway, I feel like the, the display island for me was the thing that I will remember the iPhone 14 Pro the most, I guess. I think it's brilliant. I think this is, this solves two problems. It solves the, we want to make the notch smaller, but we want to create an iconic experience, right? For better mm. or for worse, I don't like the notch on the iPhone. Of course, when I use an iPhone, I don't notice it. So it's not a problem. It's just, I feel it's too big. I feel it's cosmetically in the way. Um, but I ignore it really quickly because I use so many phones. So already I think they've done a good job because if you can ignore it so quickly, it's not so bad. But I think some people have a harder time ignoring notches and hole punches and pills and some people less. I think I have less of an issue with that. But it was iconic, right? Like you, you know, remember the old iPhones like the SE today? You have the bar at the top, the bar at the bottom. You've got the button on the bar at the bottom. That is an iPhone. You can see it from a distance. Yeah. You know it is there. And I feel like in some ways the SC has lost that because they made the bezel black. So now they're trying to make it more look like the other iPhones. But when it's turned off, you don't see the bezel. You don't see. And I thought the white bezel was so much more iconic because of that. I understand why they're not doing that. It looks old fashioned now, right? I mean, the SC looks old fashioned, right? The SC looks really old fashioned. <laughs> it's an iPhone 8, right? In design. But yes. if you look at the notch they introduced with the 10, the X, whatever, it's, it's, it's become a thing, right? Like you see people showing an iPhone kind of schematically on an ad or something, and you see that notch, and you know it's iOS, you know it's, it's Apple. True. So how were they going to be able to change the design of the notch like into something that's more modern, like what we expect, a pill or a hole punch, without losing some sort of characteristic iPhone feel. And I think this is where they nailed it. If you pull away the iPhone 14 from your face, or in this case, a photo of it from your computer or from your phone, push it away from you and kind of squint a little bit, it gives you that design perspective from the old iPhones where the pill becomes the speaker. Remember that? Like, you see what I'm saying? So it, it, it retains some sort yeah. of iconic iPhone yeah. look. Because if I got you, it, it's, yeah. it's like an overgrown speaker grill from the old iPhones. It's exactly in that location. It's got that exact same shape. And that's true, top, that's true. Right? And on top of that, they completely uh, uh, kind of like, I think that in a way made the, the leaks uh, fail, right? By showing that Thanks, God. for a case to work, <laughs> you need 
the camera as a separate cutout from the sensors, right? That's yeah. physically the cutout. That's what you need. But design-wise, aesthetically, they drew basically some black around it in pixels. And that became the iconic look that they're going for now. And they completely, like, basically messed with the leakers because we were all expecting, you know, because we're thinking Android, you know, they, they're going to use that space as much as they can with the pixels. And then they decide to create an entire new experience around this yeah. notch or pill. And to me, that is possibly the most brilliant thing about this announcement. Like, I think... Yeah. This is Apple at its best. This is Apple nailing it. This is brilliant. And uh, as you said before, when we were talking for the show recorded, like, why didn't somebody else think of that before, right? Yeah, that, that was like my first thought. Like, uh, we have so many manufacturers trying to hide it. Uh, the, the, the notch and the cut and the screen anyway. They're trying to hide it in the... Sometimes they are not doing a very good job, as we, I don't know if you remember, of course you do, the mm -hmm. Z Fold 3. Like, you could see the, the, the greed there. It was so, so strange. So um, then you see Apple just coming and presenting something that is useful. Like, uh, apparently, I, I didn't play with that yet. I really wanted to. But uh, I've been seeing some... Um, videos and some hands-ons and then i i feel like okay i had a an issue thinking how does it work like for probably you need to clean the the front camera lens a little bit more right now because kind of you you can touch you're it you're gonna touch uh, it can, yeah you're gonna touch that yeah so to not have uh so many uh pictures like with um blurry uh or so, some future in it. <laughs> so you, you kind of need to, to clean it more. But anyway, uh, I was seeing the, the way that you can work the multitask there, like uh, just seeing what's going on in the background. So I really, I really uh, felt that could be a nice experience. And as you said, it will change the way that uh, many people uh, use the iPhone probably. Yeah, I expect the Android world to copy this feature <laughs> Starting now, three, two, one, Oppo, go. Like, I, I kind of feel like, okay, the flagships that are coming, right, in January, yeah. you know, with the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2, assuming that Qualcomm calls it that, which I'm pretty sure is a safe bet. Once we get the new chip from Qualcomm, all the flagships are going to be announced. They're all going to race, right, in China to announce them. Some of them by, like, just between Christmas and New Year's, right, it's going to be, like, Xiaomi, oh no, Moto, no, Oppo, who's going to be first? And those phones, What will I be the name you, of it? What will I be the know. name of it? <laughs> but they're going to have some sort of notch, pill, hole punch with an interface on them, guaranteed. And we're going to yeah. cringe because it's going to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that. I feel like it will be terrible because uh, also they... Uh, so many uh, manufacturers are trying to work with a uh, notch in different ways. Some are doing some good job when hiding it. So I I feel like if they just and it's pos impossibly it and it's possibly uh, happening, uh, they will try to do their own version of Dynamic Island. I feel like it will not will not be so good for the industry, uh, at least for no, the users no. maybe. So that's a good thing about this iPhone 14 Pro. I feel like, you know, 
They kept the face ID sensors, so they needed a lot of real estate for yeah. this pill. Comparatively, right? The pill is probably not that much bigger than what we saw on, uh, say, the Honor and Huawei phones uh, that had the uh, Ovo, like the, yeah. the Magic 4 Pro or or the P50 Pro, or even the OnePlus Nord, the original that had the Ovo uh, pill cut out. I don't think it's bigger than that, but then you have the camera as a separate thing. And of course, they're creating the dynamic island around the whole thing. Um, so that's a lot of stuff in there. It's not as sleek as like the, you know, the Galaxy Note or I'm sorry, yeah. I mean the Galaxy S22 Ultra, <laughs> which is the new Note <laughs> or, or like, note. you know, or OnePlus phone or something. It's not as sleek as that, but I feel like they've done the best they could do with it. And I'm really excited to see how they evolve this paradigm, how we start seeing it maybe on iPads, on other devices. And in a way, you know, we have that on the Macs now with the MacBook Pros and the MacBook Air M2. You know, we have that notch and they could build some sort of UI experience around that uh, in Mac OS and in iPad OS potentially. Uh, even though in iPad OS, there's nothing right now. There's no, there's nothing in the way physically. <laughs> But that's yeah. the thing, because they can now October's create this coming. island. <laughs> they could create this, I yes, they could create this island anywhere, right? It doesn't matter now. They can have this user interface paradigm, True. whether there's physical hardware there or not. And that's very interesting. The thing that I want to talk about that disappoints me the most before we dive into the camera and the always-on display is, and I think it's not just a disappointment, but it's a, a kind of a public service announcements to the audience. If they're not paying attention, if you miss this piece of news, folks, the US, only the US model yeah. of the iPhone 14 Pro and 14, and of course Pro Max and 14 Plus, do not have a physical SIM tray anymore. They now have two eSIMs, meaning you can have two active electronic SIMs at the same time, and a store of, I think, eight total eSIMs that you can have, you can swap in and out. Now, for those of you who don't know, I mean, I don't want to spend an entire episode on this because it could take an entire episode, but <laughs> basically go read up about it. eSIMs are virtual SIMs, they're electronic SIMs, they're programmable remotely, so you no longer have to find a physical SIM to use your phone. That's the plus side. The, negative, the negatives, in my opinion, far outweigh the positives, and this is a step back. And it's a bad thing. But here's my theory. My theory is, in the US, this makes sense because we have three carriers. All the virtual network operators are essentially using those three carriers. And they already use SIM, eSIMs. They provision eSIMs. So that's not a big deal. But it's not very good if you decide to travel a lot with your phone and you want to buy a local SIM and there's no eSIM for that you know, operator or whatever. But most Americans don't travel much, so that, I guess, makes sense. But I think there's another thing going on here. Nobody's talked about this, and I'm going to have to verify that my theory is correct. My theory is this. The U.S. model has millimeter wave 5G, and that True. requires these antenna cutouts on the sides of the phone. I don't know if you've seen this on the 13, for example, but the U.S. models, or the Canadian models even, the North America model, has these plastic cutouts where the millimeter wave antennas are on the sides. And mm -hmm. right now, the Canadian model of the iPhone 14 does have a SIMS tray. So I am wondering if for the first time, 
the North America models are separated between Canada and the US and the Canadians don't have millimeter wave. Maybe they're using a global skew or global serial number or a European serial number that has all the bands for North America in there that are low band, mid band, sub six, 5G. And because of that, they have the tray. So I think what's happening here is to save space, Apple's decided US is the only place that needs millimeter wave. Let's remove the SIM tray and put the antennas there instead, save some space, and they can use eSIMs only. The rest of the world doesn't get millimeter wave, gets subsixed, and maybe we get, you know, just some variation of bands depending on which Canadian model, European model, Asian model you buy. That's my theory. I will only know once I go to an Apple store here in Canada to check. Because if I see the millimeter wave antennas and the SIM tray also, then my theory is completely wrong. And then my recommendation to all you Americans who are complaining about this SIM tray, <laughs> and I'm one of them, come to Canada and buy the iPhone 14 here. It'll be more expensive, but you get a SIM tray and millimeter wave. But my theory is the Canadian model will not have millimeter wave. I'm calling it now. This is, this is what I think is going to happen. <laughs> I, I think it. Your theory is, is looks like uh, right. I mean, uh, of course, we will need to see what is happening. But uh, I live here in Germany, in Berlin, and I'm really, really happy that we will keep the SIM tray because uh, my I don't know. Uh, my question is like, what what happens if I need to change? phones quickly what happens if i have an emergency and um, my second phone doesn't support a sim or you know i, I feel like a a, a great uh, issue in that area so I'm really, i'm really curious to see how 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 that will work in the us and i am too because it's not really fully standardized um, yeah. You could go to your carrier right now. Like, I'll give you an example. It's T-Mobile. It's very easy. I can just go to log into my account. But to log into my account, I need my credentials, right? And I also yeah. need to either have the Authenticator app from Google or 2FA, which sends me a text. If I lost my phone, what do I do, right? Yeah. So once I'm in my account, I can select, I can basically provision an eSIM. Uh, I put in, like, I think this the serial number or some kind of code that appears on the phone and it provisions the eSIM. And then once it's provisioned on that phone, it stays on that phone and you can delete it. You can transfer it with Bluetooth from iPhone to iPhone. Okay, that already perfect. exists, that already works, but it's only iPhone to iPhone, right? The transfer yep. right now, it's not supported iPhone to Android. If I want to provision my Pixel, which has an eSIM with uh, T-Mobile, it's the same thing. It's pretty easy, but I have to unprovision, I can delete the SIM from my iPhone. You know, of course, I turn off iMessage first, and then I have to like go in, log in, and reprovision the SIM for it's it's a hassle. It's not as easy. I mean, it's, as a, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot yeah, of work no. for, for Apple <laughs> to you know to have an Apple device. It's it's hostile for the consumer. And but the consumer in America doesn't do that. They don't change their phone. If they lose their phone, they just literally go to the carrier yeah. store, probably in person, and say, I lost my phone, please disable my phone. They don't even know how to do a remote wipe. They don't even know, <laughs> they don't even know that their phone automatically backs up to iCloud and that they're paying $2 a month for iCloud, right? They, they don't even know that because they, at one point they ran out of space, right, on their photos and 
on their iCloud account. And Apple said, hey, you're running out of space and it's only $2 a month. And they're like, yes. Just give and it because to they me, have yeah. their banking info, right, on Apple Pay, they agreed. And this is the, this is, America is messed up. Like people here are just <laughs> generally very stupid. So, and it's not but stupid I, because they're dumb. It's stupid because, not yeah. because they're ignorant. They're not educated. They could learn, but they're not interested in learning. So, that's my rant. I'm also an American, so don't get too mad at me for saying that because I, you know, I see it. But I don't think a lot of people in Europe know either. Like, I think a little more. Yeah, than I would say because, that. You know, you probably had had to change sims. You probably changed carriers once or twice. But yeah, it, it's, I still it's feel nothing that it's not it's not that popular, in fact, here as it is in the U.S. Uh, for instance. Uh, my my company doesn't offer that. I need to go and ask them, uh, probably with a letter. You, I don't know if you know in Germany, <laughs> everything you do oh, yeah. with a letter. <laughs> and carbon copy <laughs> triplicate, yes? Yes, yes. And you have like three different copies of that sign. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, it's, I, I feel like... A, could be uh, a problem, but we will see that in the in the coming days how it will how it will work. But uh, very bold from Apple to stand up and say, "Okay, we don't have that anymore." I felt like, "Wow, it's a uh, courage." I'm not surprised uh, because if any yeah. company is going to do this, it's Apple, right? Because they That's can true. force the entire industry to follow. And I'm telling you now, Camilla, please brace yourself because the iPhone 15 won't have a SIM worldwide. Oh, that's true. I'm telling you, because if this works somewhat, like this, I think is the test, right? The test is, will it work in the US? They're going to be able to standardize it to some extent. And then the other carriers like Deutsche Telekom, right? Are going to see what T-Mobile is doing in the US. And that's they go, true, oh, okay, true. so let's adopt this system. And that would, because Apple is going to tell every carrier next year, we're doing the iPhone 15, no SIM. So you better get prepared. We start preparing now. And they're going to say, well, what do we do? And Apple's going to say, well, we've been testing this with the US carriers. Here's what they do. This is your model. And this is what you need to educate the customers about. Or more importantly, the salespeople at the shops. And I yeah. think that's going to happen. But I think it's going to create more lock-in, more divide. People are going to not be able to switch to Android even more than before but i just need to say something about that here uh especially when it comes to to germany the the place that i live in do you know like even the the region here like they are just going for uh for the using the uh, usb-c okay here and it's a rule in 2024 apple right. should right so should uh just start uh uh I don't know, shipping iPhones with that. Uh, we didn't see that this year. Maybe we will not see next year, but it's a uh, it's ruled. So um, I feel like maybe the the commission here will just uh, say like, okay, stop. You cannot offer that. Probably that can happen. So I don't really know if uh, we Apple will win that fight here in Europe, but it's possible. Yes. I think that it's possible that the you know European Union will put a, a a stop on that, and Apple then will just make versions of the iPhone for this market with a SIM slot. But I think long term, there is no way we can avoid eSIMs because they yeah. take up space in the phone, and because it's beneficial to the carriers, 
the operators, they it locks you in. It locks you in. Like there's nothing the operators like better than lock in. And even yeah, yeah, in Germany, right, you know, yeah. even in Germany, like we like to think, I like to think that Europe is the land where you can roam freely and you can change your SIM every week. Which operator am I going to use this week, Camilla? Should I go with <laughs> O2 today? Oh yeah, let's walk into a store and get a SIM and put it in my phone. That that world is gone. That world is dying. I hate it because I'm 100% in support of that. One of the best things about SIMs that are physical in your hand is that you smash your phone, you can literally grab that SIM card from the corpse of your phone, you know, put it in a, <laughs> put it in a like 2001 Sony Ericsson T68 with an adapter and then start making a phone call or texting your friends. That's what GSM promised. That's, that's what it's about. And it's all going away. And it's the same with 5G, right? Like the standards are so different. The bands are so many and so different in so many countries that yeah. it's, equal, it's, it's, it's almost impossible. Anymore. Yeah, it's almost impossible yeah. to buy a phone today in a country and bring to the other because maybe the 5G will not work. Right. The other country or market where I think we're going to see the potentially the iPhone without the SIM tray is Japan because Japan uses millimeter yeah. wave. So if my theory about millimeter wave um, in Japan, I can see not being a problem. The the operators there would just figure out a way to make it work. Um, but anyway, let's talk about the what I like to call the Android features on the iPhone 14 <laughs> Pro. The always on display. So it has an always on display now. It's got an LTPO OLED that can refresh down to one True. hertz. And because of that, they are basically refreshing the display in low, uh, dimmer, right? Like as an always on display every second. So notifications happen every second if they need to happen. The second hand can move every second if it needs to on the clock. And that's basically standard always on display. And, you know, Apple invented the always on display today. Okay. So <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? No, yeah, look, sometimes, uh, at least during the presentation, you have this feeling, right? This is always on display. Uh, and we, wow, I don't even know, like, the first phone we had with that, but Samsung brought that, is, like, offers that since ages. Uh, I actually know phones. the phone that was the first phone to offer that. I would you say something guess? It was not Samsung. It was, was not, not Android. Samsung. It was not Android. Okay. All right. Go so back. Rewind. <laughs> was... Just rewind the machine. Yes. It was the Nokia phone. <laughs> yes, it was a Nokia phone. And it was one of the OLED Nokia phones. It was a Symbian phone. It was the Nokia E7. Nokia E7. I really yes. I, I really need to even You know the one with the keyboard that. that goes clunk? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, it, yeah. it goes like it goes like this. Like so those of you watching on Patreon. There, as you know, there is a video version of the podcast on Patreon, patreon.com slash TNKJRL. If you want to support me, sign up for the video version. You can see it before the audio and you can see our faces and you can see me gesturing right now. So, you know, the, the <laughs> thing goes like this, clunk, right? Yeah. That one had an OLED up. panel and the OLED was not wow. obviously LTPO or anything like that. But the way they did it is they used, first of all, they used um, dimmer 
pixels and groups of pixels, they, they kind of like pixel binned groups of pixels to kind of create a, like a, a dot matrix array of, of uh, for characters so they could display the time and the notifications in a very dim but kind of larger font, you know, of dot matrix font. And then they would shift that around the screen so it doesn't burn in, right? Yeah. It was, it was the, they were the first. And then, of wow. course, Android adopted it because Samsung, as you, you're right, it was Samsung with, with uh, <laughs> I'm sh- pretty sure it was Samsung because Samsung used OLED since the original Galaxy S, the first one. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I do... I do like it, you know, you don't need to have this, uh, I don't know, because sometimes I suffer this anxiety that I need to see what is going on and turn it on the screen all the time. So right now, uh, we don't need to do it uh, on the pro versions of iPhone 14 because of that. So I I feel that is nice for who is like... uh, huge fan of Apple right now can <laughs> have it, can use it. But yeah, Android uh, users are, have, have, have that since ages. And I, 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 would, I would say that the biggest amount of people really like it. So oh, it's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that the iPhone users are going to discover something that we all love in Android land. <laughs> yeah, I have another thing that I was thinking about it, but uh, it's just quickly like... I don't know. After the end of the the event, I just felt like, oh my god, uh, Android phones are becoming iPhones, and iPhone it's going for like the back, uh, back, uh, really back to 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 yeah. be, uh, you know, offer everything yeah, that is super nice, you know. Uh, maybe yep. uh, they will bring back some some other things that we don't know in the future, but uh, for sure, like like some some. I never, I, I, of course, I don't believe they will never do that, but maybe some uh, uh, external memory. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> yes. I doubt it, yeah. I do agree with you because I feel like they're, um, yeah, they're, they're doing some, um, some interesting things there, kind of like recycling some of the Android innovation and kind of making it special for iPhone users, right? Um, yeah. Speaking of which, the 48 megapixel camera, right? So I think this is a big deal. Not like not. I don't want to make fun of of Apple for finally doing this. This was necessary in the same way as Google only did it last year with the Pixel Six and Six Pro, right? Yeah. There is some advantage to having a, a twelve megapixel sensor with large pixels because you can read it much faster. So you have less jelly bean effect when you do video. You have you know faster processing of each frame because you have less data to process. So that's why Sony, for example, on the Xperia's don't don't use more than 12 megapixel right now because they have that crazy 20 frame per second eye tracking autofocus. But I think that it was time, like it was time for Google, it was time for Apple to adopt a, a pixel bin yeah. system, right? So this is obviously a 48 megapixel sensor, pixel bins four to one for 12 megapixel photos. But what's very interesting here to me is the size of the pixels. I have looked at the databases of Samsung sensors because I have a list of them, the databases of Sony sensors, I cannot find this sensor anywhere. I cannot find a 48 megapixel sensor with 1.2 micron pixels that pixel bin to 2.4 microns. So this is a bespoke brand new sensor, probably from Sony, created from scratch for Apple. Apple. And those pixel sizes are 
insane. So it allows Apple to do two things that I think are kind of new, but not really, but they are kind of new. The first thing is massive size pixels in 1X mode, like in standard wide angle main camera mode. So 2.4 microns. But they can now also do 2X zoom where they're using the center part of the sensor at 12 megapixel native with 1.2 micron pixels, which is already very big. That's the same pixel size as the iPhone was two or three years ago. That means that you can now shoot 2X like portraits with natural bokeh because you got a seven element lens on a large sensor. So it means you can have a nice shallow depth of field so they can use less fake bokeh, more real bokeh for the portrait. Yeah. Or you can choose to not use portrait mode and have just the real bokeh. So I think this is really good because the challenge with when you zoom 2X on a Android phone that has like, say like the IMX766, one micron pixels, 50 megapixel, one micron pixel. If you zoom in, right, you yep. do 2X, now your pixels are still one micron and you can't pixel bin. So your end result is low light suffers when you zoom, right? So they kind of, in a way, not solved it because they're still going to have worse low light performance at 2x. But with 1.2 micron pixels, it should be good enough from 1 to 2x. And then, of course, they have a telephoto at 3x and then the ultra wide. The yeah. ultra wide also has improved as bigger pixels. And um, the other thing that I think is exciting about this is uh, second generation in body stabilization, sensor shift, whatever they call it. I think that's also good. Uh, because they're the, I mean, with Oppo, the Find X5 Pro Qualcomm version is the only other phone out there that has actual sensor shift stabilization. So to me, this camera system is going to be insane. Also new image processing pipeline, photonic, whatever they called it. And then um, photonic, yeah. also the new chipset, the A16 Bionic. So to me, all of this combined means I expect this camera to be pretty crazy, pretty good. But it's also the first time that Apple is pixel binning and we saw it with a Pixel 6 and 6 Pro. There are some compromises there. The, it takes more time to process because there's more data. Yeah. And also, you know, uh, took a little while I felt for the 6 Pro and 6 images to be just as well tuned as the like 6A or 5A or the previous. Um, so I think it's it's going to take, I mean, I expect Apple's worked on this for a while. I mean, how many years? Okay, I looked it up, by the way. I looked it up. The first record of a pixel binned sensor that I could find is, of course, the Nokia, you know. <laughs> Let's go again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's all the Nokias that had that 41 megapixel sensor. There was the Symbian one and yeah, then the, 10, the Nokia Lumia 1020. They were 41 megapixel pixel binning, but they didn't quite do it the same way as we're doing today. They didn't have a, a quad Bayer filter. So that's a little different. But then the first quad Bayer like pixel binning was the Huawei P20 Pro. So that's, look back, that's only four years ago. Right? Yeah. So yeah, it's true. then after that, we got the OnePlus 7 Pro and a bunch of Oppo phones uh, that had <laughs> the Sony IMX586, the, the most famous 48 megapixel sensor of all time. And that was 48 megapixel pixel bin quad bear. So that's from there on, every phone pretty much had in Android land, unless you were like looking at the most budget. Uh, even, you yeah. know, I think Red, Redmi, I think, was the one who popularized putting 
64 and 48 megapixel sensor on their 200, 250, you know, Redmi Note. So it's everywhere in Android land. Like you buy the cheapest phone now, it's got a probably kind of crappy, but it still has a 50 megapixel sensor and they pixel bin. So welcome to the party, Apple. Welcome to the party. <laughs> we know you're yeah. going to do it properly, right? So Yeah, that's true. And I I feel like uh, Apple should change something. Apple, don't get me wrong, Apple, especially the Pro uh, versions, they are really good for uh, photo, of course, and video, especially video, in fact. Yes. But when it comes to like comparing uh, pictures. Uh, I I was even thinking about that and, and talking with some of my colleagues here. We do the uh, um, a test in the dark here, like where we remove all the metadata from pictures that we do with different premium devices, and like for the first time this year, 2022, Apple didn't want that. Ah. The device that was the first, and you know people are uh, choosing it, it's like our audience, they go and they select the best uh, picture, of course, that goes with uh, some, maybe not that objective, but at the end of the day, people are choosing. And we had the Google Pixel 6 Pro for the first time beating Apple and not only for the rear camera, also for the front camera. So ah. uh, I really feel like, uh, Apple should change something, and and they did it. So I'm pretty happy with with that. And as you mentioned, uh, I really feel like, especially the pictures uh, in uh, low light situations, that we 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 will have a very good improvement on that. And I'm I'm really happy to to uh, I'm looking forward, in fact, to to test it. Yeah, me too. The other thing to point out to the audience is there's a new front sensor now uh, f over 1.9 which is a big improvement and it's autofocus so and that's across yes, every iphone 14 time. so even the regular 14 14 plus have this new camera in yeah the they front. seem to, it, it is the same camera right yes it's the same one on both autofocus f over yeah. 1.9 so you know that i think is big news again as, as i said there's also a better ultra wide with 1.4 micron pixels which you know that's pretty damn good um, and yes. then, uh, and that's on both the pros. I don't think the regular gets the the better sensor. Also, autofocus on the ultra wide for macro, right? That's still there yeah. from last year. So, let's talk about the differences though between the the pros and the non pros, because especially in camera, of course, you lose the telephoto, but there's a few things you yep. still don't get from Apple. And I'm kind of annoyed with that because you look at the price of these phones, you're like, come on. Not sure. So, <laughs> you know, Pro Raw does not exist on the non pro models, and there's no reason for that. ProRes does not exist on the non pro models, and that's also not right. But the other thing is the main sensor is also slightly different on the 14. But it's actually a pretty big improvement. So they've gone to a 12 megapixel sensor, but the pixel size is insane. It's 1.9 microns per pixel. That's a huge sensor. And more importantly, the f-stop on the lens is f over 1.5. Now the Pro has an f over 1.78 lens, which is all right. But f over 1.5, folks, now we're talking. Like anything below 1.5, it's fantastic. And so... I expect that the it low does. light performance on this new main sensor on the 14 is going to be excellent. 
especially because it also has a photonic engine, but it doesn't use the Bionic 16, A16, it uses the A15, so last year's chip. But the only difference I think is going to be, other than the telephoto, is going to be that the 2x performance. So I think when you zoom in 2x with the 14 regular, you're not going to get the same quality image as you do with that 48 megapixel that, you know, yeah. can crop. So I think that's good news all around. My only concern with that, again, is low, no pro raw. And, and of course, the other things on the iPhone 14 is you don't get always on display because it's the old display, the LTPO before from last year. Um, and it doesn't go down to one hertz. So, you know, Apple is obsessed with battery life, which is good, but they're obsessed with it. So they don't want to give you the always on display. And I think that's a bummer. It's it's it, at that price point, you kind of expect always on. And then, of course, you get a number of other things that, you know, are not on the the regular, I mean. Yeah, yeah, the, the regular, it's it's 60 hertz, right? Still the... Correct, it doesn't go screen, to 120, so, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And so that to me is crazy. That and no always on display is, is a little crazy. I can understand they decide to keep last year's chip to keep the price down because their performance is so high. You don't really need anything more. Um, mm -hmm. And of course they improved the cameras, but and the presentation until they got to the camera, I was like, "This is an iPhone 13." Like, come on! Like, what is what is new about this, right? But, but it, it turns out, yeah, I feel like the the even though they are using the the chipset from uh, last year, is the Pro, right? They are that it's a, right a little bit uh, has some. Uh, it's a little improved, yeah. Better, yeah there's yeah, different GPU yeah. counts and stuff, True. yeah. So that's that's actually okay. I mean, you know, remember the M2 chip that we have, like in this MacBook Air I'm recording right now, is essentially an A15. So, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> we don't have an A16 based M chip yet. So the A16 is really like the bleeding edge of performance. But yeah, I, I'm a little bummed that no always on display, 60 hertz. Um, what else is missing? Well, the cameras are slightly different, but there was something else. Can't remember that I was like, come on, you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't remember as well. Let me check here. The, the old notch obviously is, you know, fine. Yeah, the notch, the dynamic island is you, not there. You yeah. don't get the dynamic island on that phone, which is, I'm mm -hmm. kind of surprised they didn't do it also. They really wanted to keep that for the 14 Pro for some reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm asking myself, it's... Uh, it's that uh, if the price uh, difference between them really pays off, but, but I don't think so. Yeah, it's hard because on one hand, I want to say the the plus, the 14 plus, the big size one, you know, if you, if you want a big phone, that makes perfect sense, right? Like True. you buy that and you save a bit of money because you don't have to buy the, the expensive pro and you probably don't need the pro features. But if you look at comparing between the, 14 plus and the 14 pro non non big size for you just looking at the money i'd pick the 14 pro personally me too you know i'd, I'd oh, live with a smaller sure. display and smaller battery just to maximize the value the spec per money so yeah that's kind of one of those things for me um but overall look i think the 14 is very incremental we don't get a 14 mini. They're keeping the 13 on for sale. So you can buy the 13 mini for those of you who want a small phone. And then the 14 plus, I think, is going to be very popular in Asia because people like big screens. 
and it gives them big screen at a slightly lower price point. But yeah, um, and, yeah. but I but I must say, like uh, at least, like of course, it's uh, my personal opinion. Uh, if I would need to choose between six point one inches and five point four inches, uh, I I still feel like I can handle the six point one, and uh, you know, people probably will keep buying <laughs> Apple devices with even if, even though they want a four five point four inches, but they can go for a six point one. Even if you just think about the Android market. We also don't have uh, devices on these uh, sizes anymore. The Pixel 6a, for instance, is 6.1. And um, even the, the Zenfone 9, I feel like it's one of the smallest uh, that you can have right now, if I'm not wrong. It's like 5.9 right. inches, right? And it's right? still physically, they're about the same size as an iPhone regular, yeah. Yeah, so if I need to choose also between the 5.4 inches and 6.7, I think I would go for 6.7 because it's a huge display, you know? I yeah, can't no, huge think myself going for the 5.4. Uh, yeah. You know, some people like a small screen and I get that. So, yeah. of course, some people are upset there's no 14 mini, but look, the 14 is very similar to the 13, right? So yeah. just go buy a 13 mini. But do you think that next year they will bring it back? <laughs> I, don't uh, think so. I don't I don't think so. <laughs> I also think that's interesting they kept the iPhone 12 for sale. Because yeah. like the price is the same, $599 as the iPhone 13 mini. So you can buy a 12 or an iPhone 13 mini for $599 US. I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> Let's talk about the Watch Ultra because we're going to run out of time. Ultra. What is your take on that beast? I'm not surprised Apple is going that direction. You bigger profit margins. There's a huge market for rugged smartwatches out there. Garmin right now owns that market, but you know, not for long. <laughs> <laughs> not for long. Yeah, I feel like Apple can do it, and they did it, <laughs> and. Um, what called my attention to that is like, uh, okay, it's for extreme uh, environments, I would say. And Apple, really, people that uh, enjoy going for in extreme sports, they would not have, of course, uh, an Apple Watch because it's much more uh, for like daily uh, use. But right now, they can, and I was uh, I was following some uh, comments on Twitter and. People that never thought about buying uh, an Apple Watch right now, they are thinking about that. And I feel like it's very segmented. And um, apparently Apple is going to disrupt <laughs> the dive, the diving, uh, the dive industry, you know? That because, was a big one for me. Yeah, that's a big thing. Yeah, because like apparently um, I was really researched that uh, to have some of the certifications and some of the features that the Ultra offers right now, most of the time you need to pay uh, something around $1,000 to have one device uh, just for uh, diving. So I guess Apple was really right. They just found the the, the right uh, moment, the right uh, like category to go. I feel that yeah. they, they will be very, very uh, successful in that. 
I think so too. And and look, I'm sure Garmin will be fine for a while. Their battery life is unmatched, but Apple obviously can't can't get there, right? But Apple will eventually get there somehow. And um or maybe not quite get there, but maybe from days they'll get to weeks or maybe something like that. <laughs> How and, hours but days, yeah. You know, yeah. We'll we'll see. Like from hours to days to weeks. I don't know. Yeah. My gut is that the benefits of the Apple ecosystem, the apps that are going to get created for that watch are going to outweigh the drawbacks of having to charge it. And some people are going to choose that. And it doesn't mean that Garmin is, you know, in trouble because they have very specialized watches for cyclists, for runners, for divers, etc. And But I think that it's like, I see a lot of echoes of the days when the iPhone came out. You know, it didn't match the specs or the features of the competition but the user experience was so much better if you've ever used a garmin watch it's a disaster such a terrible (laughs) user experience so here you have a better user experience and for some people that's the selling point and then remember apple eventually caught up look at the iphone today it's up there flagship best of the best right you know, it doesn't always have all the features. Again, it just got always on display and 48 megapixel pixel binning, right? But when it when they do it, they do it right. And I think uh, as somebody who worked at Pebble in the early days, you know, you know, they ate our lunch. We knew it was coming. There's nothing you could do, right? Like we knew we couldn't compete. And Garmin is a bigger company, better established. But I think that they needed to be, instead of being like smug about this, they need to really rethink their strategy. Apple is in their turf right now. And to me, I want to also talk about another feature that's available in the US iPhones and on the Ultra watch and that's the satellite connectivity yeah i was about to ask you i I am a little conflicted about this because okay i don't know if you know this but t-mobile in the u.s here announced a few days ago like a week or two ago that they were going to partner with starlink to offer a similar kind of service low bandwidth emergency only use of data and texting and no voice for um, the areas of the U.S., and there are many areas in the U.S. that don't have cell connectivity. I know for those of you listening from Europe, because you probably came in with, with Camilla, you're like, oh, Camilla is on this show. Let's watch. It's hard for you to imagine, but there are parts of the U.S. that are so big and so far away from everything that literally if you look on a satellite photo at night, there's not a single piece of light. There's no human living there. There's no cellular mm. towers, no service. And in those situations is where people go, you know, hiking and like on these crazy, epic, extreme sport events. And what happens if you hurt yourself? What happens if you're lost and it's very, you know, hot and very dangerous or very cold and very dangerous? You need to be rescued. So now you can use your iPhone or your watch ultra to push a button and point it at the sky and they have a, an agreement, I think it's probably with uh, Iridium, which is one of the networks, low or- Earth orbit satellite networks that's currently used for like industrial, you know, commercial purposes like oil industry, forestry, mining industry, where like in Alaska, there's no cell phone service and they need to communicate. They can do calls and whatever by satellite. They're using that technology to Basically, ask you a few questions about the situation, lump it together into one message, sending it out to the satellite, and then sending it to emergency people that can find you with your coordinates 
the GPS data. So that's very exciting. But I think T-Mobile's is more exciting because, and and Starlink is, you know, said they will partner with other companies. This is not just a T-Mobile thing. They'll do it with other carriers. Starlink's low Earth orbit satellites, the new versions, have 5G midband on them, like standard 5G midband that works with any 5G midband phone. And that means that now, if you're in a similar situation, say with a Pixel 6 Pro and you have T-Mobile, you can send an SOS to directly via 5G antenna to the satellite and it get the same result. However, you don't have to install any special hardware where Apple had to install something compatible with the bands that these satellites use. So yeah. good to Apple to make devices with this technology in them, but I feel that this is not the future. I feel that the future is the satellites getting standardized bands so any phone will work and so any carrier can jump in and so it works worldwide because Starlink is worldwide. Iridium, I think, is mostly US. So that's kind of my take. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Apple is working with a global star. Okay, so global star, I think they might be the ones that they're competing with Iridium. So it's the other yeah. network, yeah. Yeah, but that's, that makes sense. But what I feel is like a, a, they have this partnership since 2019, so Global Star and Apple, and we all expected Apple to bring that last year, right? But when yeah. they were presenting that, what really caught my attention was the amount of effort that Apple put on that. Do you know, like they create their own center to um, reach, like. Uh, you yeah, get yeah, the message to... from the satellite, you know, and then you have the center that they put like specialized people there. They are paying these people to be there to connect the message to the uh, emergency services. I was like, wow, when they were explaining that, I was really surprised with all, the, all of this effort. And then they say by the end, and it's free for two years. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's going to eventually be pay. It's going to be a service, right? Yes. Uh, and I feel like maybe they, didn't have the time to to connect with uh, this uh, new opportunities oh, that no, we saw T-Mobile and Starlink doing it. So I just feel that they they couldn't do it last year, and now they just show that big thing. I was really surprised. In fact, I think it's good for everyone. Like I, I'm just philosophically saying that the Starlink solution is better because it works on any phone. But but no matter what, like if you get rescued by you this, you win, right? Is, like right. it's 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 a good thing. So anyway, we should wrap up Apple. There's a few little items I want to <laughs> roll over real quick before we shut down the show. But um I mean overall I'm you know excited to some some of the things I've seen. Like I'm a little annoyed with, you know, obviously the the SIM thing is my biggest my biggest thing mm -hmm. that I'm not happy about. Um, and I do believe that the, um, you know, pixel binging on always on display are the things I'm most excited about, even though they're basic, simple things, but I think it's going to make a difference for those of you out there who are iPhone users. And, you know, there's some interesting things like the satellite stuff and, and the watch ultra, of course, there's a watch eight as well. We didn't mention it. It's just a, an evolution of True. watch seven. There's not too much to talk about, but there's the two little items I have that are left are just really small little things. Basically, Poco come out with a couple of new phones last week. Uh, they're not super exciting. There's the M5 and the M5S. 
Uh, I'll link to an Android police story to kind of fill you in. These are 4G phones. They're very affordable. There's nothing too crazy here, but they do have a 50 megapixel camera with pixel binning. Woohoo. <laughs> <So> binning, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're really cheap. And they have, you know, they're, you know, LCD, no OLED here, no always on display. I mean, you know, like there's not even an ultra wide in the back of the one of them. So look, it's just, I like how Poco is pushing the envelope by releasing phones at certain price points that punch way above their weight, that really deliver a better experience for the price. You know, not everybody wants to buy a flagship and pay even $500 for a mid-range phone. And these phones deliver a better experience at a lower price point. And I think for that, I'm excited. Do you see anything in there you like? Yeah, in fact, we got the device here at NextSpeed. We tested, uh, the German domain tested it. Uh, I'm awaiting for the full review to post on .com. But, uh, you know, like, it's fair. It's a phone that, uh, as you mentioned, not many people really want to pay uh, a bunch of money on a phone. And this one costs like 190 euros. And they go even cheaper to 170 uh, with some discounts here. Yeah. And then you have like a fair uh, camera. I don't feel like a photographer will buy it. But you know, no, like course. you have a, a fair camera, you have like 5,000 uh, milliampere battery, yeah, so battery. you can, yeah. yeah, very, very, very good thing. And headphone jack, so on the top of uh-huh. that, yeah. And a SIM, <laughs> and a SIM tray, and a SIM tray. Uh, and course. a SIM tray, <laughs> yeah, right now, the SIM tray become the <laughs> headphone become jack the again. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But look, I have an M5S sitting in a box. I need to play with it and like, give you some yeah. thoughts. I haven't had time, but I have one as well. Not not the M5, just the 5S. Also, the Pixel 7 event is confirmed to be happening in Brooklyn, in New York on October 6th. So I'll send you a link to a Verge story with the details. But basically, mark your calendars for October 6th for Pixel News. I'm super excited about this. I'm not sure I like the new visor as much, but I know I'm going to like what's inside because hopefully Tensor version 2 is way better than Tensor version 1 because as a Pixel 6 Pro user every day, the thing that drives me nuts the most is Tensor. (laughs) Or the (laughs) fact that it is not quite a flagship ship, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like they will have the chance to to show us how they like how the 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 ship grew over these 12 months <laughs> and yes, I, absolutely. I I also feel that like in the beginning for me it was uh okay is we are given a, a chance to google with a tensor and right now they 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 need to do it better they do. It's mostly for me, I've had a lot of radio issues and battery life issues. My yeah. phone is constantly overheating. And I don't know, I didn't have this in the early days. It's clearly a software issue or something, but I don't want to factory reset my phone. I'm too lazy. And uh, right now, every day I use my phone, it's just hot and it eats the battery. Oh, and I'm having, that kills like yesterday, as well. I picked up my phone. I was getting notifications. Data was working. I was sending texts. Everything was working. I tried to make a phone call. It wouldn't go through. I tried to receive a wow. phone call. It went straight to voicemail. I don't know why. I restarted the phone. My phone worked again. I was able to make calls and receive calls. This is mission critical stuff, Google. I can't have my phone not receive phone calls. Okay. Like that's phone 101. It's a phone. I want to get calls. <laughs> Call. Make it work. 
That was like my my Pixel Six Pro. I was uh-huh. so mad in the beginning, but I had these issues in the beginning, so I stopped using the device. You are getting at least to the end of yeah, one for me, year. Probably. It only started getting bad after some. I think the April update broke my phone basically. No. Oh. So the last piece of news is really, really not much to say here. Um, Qualcomm released two new chips uh, with the new naming. So Snapdragon 6 Gen 1 and Snapdragon 4 Gen 1. And honestly, I didn't really look into the details very much. Uh, these are obviously replacing the 695 5G and the 480 5G, which are the current top of the line 6 and 4 series chips. But here's what I want to say about this. I'll let you, I'll put a link to 95 Google so everybody on the sh- listing can, can look at the specs and decide for themselves. I'm happy with this. I'm sure that we will eventually see some phones with these chips, but here's the question. We haven't seen a single phone with a Snapdragon 7 Gen 1 yet. Everybody's using the 778G or 778G+. So what gives? Like, are we gonna even see phones with 6 Gen 1 and a 4 Gen 1 anytime soon? Why is it that, you know, I kind of have an answer for this, but at the same time, I'm like, this is very strange. I'm hoping that these chips are more popular, right? Thoughts? I believe that they had an issue with uh, sending out the the chip, apparently. So less phones get got that uh, the okay. seven hundred. Yeah, apparently, like the six uh, from the from the specs, I saw it today, like very very uh, fast, uh, very quickly in relation to the six Gen One. It just looks like it will perform kind of like the 778G. So okay. yeah, looks 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 pretty similar. So maybe they are changing some something there. Yeah, it could be. I mean, the, the 480 was really a 600 series chip turned into a 400 series. So yeah. you're saying the 6 Gen 6 looks like a, you know, basically a, a 7 series chip from the past turned into a 6 series yeah, yeah um, but anyway like that, that. that's the news that's that's what Qualcomm did this week and uh, it got kind of got lost in the Apple news of course so yeah Camilla do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet all your social of media course. handles and talk about <laughs> what you do for you know your writing and stuff yeah sure thank you so much for giving me this space here Miriam so People can find me on nextbit.com. I am not a very uh, social media person, <laughs> I must say that. But on Twitter, uh, you can follow me at, at a pequena Rinaldi. That is uh, Portuguese, I'm Brazilian. So uh, it's uh, it means the little Rinaldi. So uh, you can find me there. And thank you so much for listening to this to the show. And Miriam, thank you so much for inviting me. I really enjoyed being here today. Absolutely. Uh, folks, I'll put the Twitter handle in the show notes so you don't have to guess. And <laughs> folks, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. Like the comic book character, drop the vowels in case you forget. That's my Twitter handle. If you want to speak with Camilla and me, please do so on Twitter. You can comment and ask questions about the podcast. I'm also Tankerl, T-N-K-G-R-L, same handle on Instagram. If you want to see pretty pictures of phones, pretty pictures of cars, pretty pictures of everything, travel, food, taken with phones mostly, check out my Instagram. Uh, You know the podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. 
We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, everywhere good podcasts can be found. So please subscribe and tell your friends if you're here for the first time because Camilla brought you here. Please consider subscribing. And if your app lets you review or rate the show, please consider doing that. It helps for people finding the podcast, of course. We have a couple of YouTube channels that go with the podcast, youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast and youtube.com slash mobile tech more. The first one is mostly around the core products like phones, wearables, uh, personal audio. And then the second one is explores other areas like, you know, travel tech, home automation, car tech, that stuff. I mean, honestly, I don't post that often. Mostly it's videos of unboxings and of the devices that I have in my possession. So you, the listener can have a look at the devices, you know, when I talk about them, watch the video while you're listening to the podcast, you know, that kind of thing. So you know how YouTube works, like, subscribe, tell your friends, click the little notification bell, comment. You can comment about the podcast as well. I'm happy to speak with you there. But if you want a little bit extra, there's a Patreon, patreon.com slash tankerl. That's patreon.com slash T-N-K-G-R-L, same as my Twitter handle. Basically, there's a bunch of tiers there. And if you join, you can help me. You can just donate a small amount every month just to support. But if you want to get some perks, there are some perks. There's a video version of the podcast, which comes out before the audio version. It's also a little less edited, a little more raw. I leave some mistakes and jokes in there and stuff. And then there is a, a Discord server you can join if you want. Uh, it's not super active, but you know maybe one of you will be the first one to really get it going. It'd be nice to have some community, but it exists and you can join it. And then, you know, consider helping. I'd, I'd appreciate it. So it's patreon.com slash tankerl. That's patreon.com slash T-N-K-G-R-L. And before we go, I just want to quickly thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible's been with us since the early days of the show, and they're wonderful. If you like books and you like reading like I do, we have a special deal for you. If you're not already with Audible, you can get a 30-day free trial and keep a book at the end. Audibletrial.com slash mobile tech is the URL. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. Why would you join Audible? Well, you know, I love books and I don't like reading them. I know it's a problem. I, I shouldn't say that. I love reading them, but... No, I agree with you. I agree with you. I have Audible. It's one of the apps that I love the most on my phone and lets me like listening to books while just doing another thing. So save me time and make me, I believe... <laughs> a much smart person. So <laughs> I do love it. I do love it, Audible. You heard it from my guest, John Audible. <laughs> no, look, folks, for me, it's about my eyes. I'm old and tired. At the end of the day, I've looked at a computer screen for the whole day or a phone screen or something. I don't want to look at another screen. You know, Kindles are nice, but I'd rather listen. I just lay back, put headphones, earbuds on, and just somebody reads me a story. And Audible has a great selection of books. Some of the books are read by the authors. There's a lot of short form content there too. If you want to not have something that runs for hours, there is some unique podcasts and other programming there that's uh, only available on Audible. So check it out, audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. If you can help out, you know, with Patreon, do so. If you can help out with Audible, do so. And uh, if not, there's also a PayPal link in the show notes you can click through. So consider that as well. Buy me a coffee for $5 or something. I love my coffee. I got my coffee mug right here. But anyway, folks, I want to thank Audible again for being our sponsor. And 
Thank you, Camilla, for being my guest. I really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. We'll definitely have you on at some point in the future again. And folks, we'll have another show next week. So stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. Bye. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.